All right, here we go. Okay, so we're going to start off our time this morning uh, with a moment of confession. Okay, I wouldn't be a good teacher if I didn't make you feel uncomfortable every once in a while, so buckle in. It's about to get hot under the collar. All right. Could I see a show of hands from those of you who at some point in your life have received a speeding ticket? Okay. It's a substantial number of people I see. All right. Can I see a show of hands of those of you that have received more than one speeding ticket? Okay. Not as still a substantial number. All right. Uh, I see many people have uh, online have their video disabled, which is pretty convenient here. I should notice that. All right. Uh, okay. Can I see? Let me let me uh, change it up a bit here. Could I see a uh, a show of hands of those of you who who didn't raise their hands, who did have never received a speeding ticket? Okay. I see our underaged contingent. A few of you. Only if you have never received a speeding ticket. Is, is okay. A few of you never. Okay. That was going to be my next question. How many of you proudly didn't raise your hands, but have been pulled over and dismissed with a warning? Okay, a few of you, a few of you. All right. As I stated, as I stated, I have received, I've received more than one speeding ticket. I, I'm going to confess to you. And it's been a number of years since I've received one. However, I did drive an electric car for, for two years and that effectively exercised the speeding demons within me. Uh, and in fact, it turned me into an old man. Suddenly I was, I was saying things like, if we would all just slow down, we would get there, you know, together. So I, again, it turned me into an old man, but I was, I was in my late 20s. And to that point, I'd received a, a handful of speeding tickets. And uh, there are measures that you can take to keep the, the ticket off your record. You can go to a, a four-hour class, right, and learn about traffic safety and all those things, and they'll dismiss the ticket. And if you can keep your, your record clear for a while, you can, you can even take that four-hour class again if it hasn't been, you know, uh, too recent of a time since you've had your last infraction and keep it off your record. Uh, however, if you have taken that class and then get caught again within a 12-month period, uh, the judge could once again have mercy on you and send you to an eight-hour class, okay, uh, and prevent it from hitting your record. You know, you can take that class and you're still not guilty, okay? Well, I was in my late 20s, and I had exhausted both the four-hour and the eight-hour options. And there I was for a third time in the courtroom to be, well, well, I don't know. I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know if they were going to send me to jail or I don't know what happens at your, at your third strike there, I suppose, uh, uh, you know, any, any number of things. And I guess the way that they arrange the hearings is that they, they set the court date according to the ticket, uh, ticketing police officer's availability, all right? So every one of us, every one of us in the courtroom that day was there because Officer Wilson had given us a speeding tickets in the last few weeks. So we're all there gathered together in uh, Officer Wilson's presence and the judge. And there we are, and uh, Officer Wilson sitting in the corner. And if anyone denies the fact that they were speeding, the judge can just call upon Officer Wilson and say, was he speeding? Officer Wilson, yes, he was. Guilty. That's how it works. That's how it works. They were speeding, and, and you're, it's a done deal. So, so the court proceedings were about to begin, and the judge takes his seat. He confirms that we are all there because we had earned some sort of moving violation, right? And then I'm sure he offered some, some words about safe driving and whatnot, but, but what he said next was really um, what set me over the moon here. He said, today is Officer Wilson's birthday, and he has requested that today on his birthday that all your tickets be dismissed. 
the courtroom erupted in a cheer. All right. And he says, uh, thanks to Officer Wilson, you're all now free to go. You're free to go. And then, you know, after that collective cheer erupted, uh, we all took the time, many of us, to go up to Officer Wilson and offer him a handshake and a thank you. Because again, <laughs> it was third strike and you're out. I don't know. I don't, to this day, I still don't know what happens, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't get to find out. Now, I, I'd like to serve, I'd like to, for this story to serve as the backdrop of our, of our one thing question today, because our subject matter is very relevant to a courtroom setting. You know, our subject matter for today is the subject of justification. Now, what are we talking about when we speak about justification? Here, here's a few more questions to get your gears turning. Ultimately, ultimately, I didn't have to pay for my crime of speeding, correct? Correct? It's not a trick question. I didn't have to pay for it, right? Okay. I mean, I mean that in the most literal sense. I'm not speaking of some sort of psychological payment that I have for breaking the law, but, but I didn't have to pay for my crime in that moment. Correct? Correct. All right. All right. Let me ask you this. Was I guilty of the crime of speeding for which I was in the courtroom that day? Was I guilty? Yes. Yes, I was guilty. Um, anyone say, no, I was not guilty. Okay. Again, we, what we're talking about here is an issue of justification. Okay, let me tell you what the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us about justification. And here's the question. Uh, and the question is, what is justification? Now, remember what we said. These, these are children's answers that I'm about to give you. The Shorter Catechism was written for children. Okay, so this should be easy for you. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth our sins and accepteth us as, I can't, I can't say that every time I try, I've rehearsed it, and accepteth us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Okay, once again, try as we might to find a sweet, short, simple answer. The Westminster Divines have given us a, a mouthful. Uh, so we're trying to understand the answer phrase by phrase. We're gonna look at this phrase by phrase and hopefully will reveal the fact that it is, in fact, a simple answer, okay? The first thing, the first thing that we need to take notice is the first four words of our answer, okay? The first four words of our answer are justification is an act, it says. Justification is an act, okay? We need to take notice of this, these first four words, and the answer to our questions for the next couple of weeks. I told you in an email yesterday, we're, the next three weeks, we're going to be covering the topics of justification, adoption, and sanctification. And when we have the short, when we ask the, the shorter catechism, you know, what is, it, what is justification, adoption, and sanctification? We get similar response. We get a similar response, at least for, for how it begins, okay? Justification, it begins, is an act of God's free grace. How does adoption start? Adoption is an act of God's free grace. And then we have sanctification. How does that one start? Does anyone know? Justification is a what? An act? Wrong. <laughs> gotcha. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. Hang on. Someone wants to be admitted into our room here. Is a work of God's free grace. Notice the distinction there. Okay. Two are classified as acts. One is classified as a work. And, and what's the difference? You hear noise? Is that wind outside? Okay. Uh, what, what, one is classified as a work. What's the difference? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you first what we mean by act. When the confession uses the word act specifically, it's saying that justification is a declaration. Justification is a declaration. It's a declaration that God himself makes. Now let's go back to the courtroom setting. 
Okay, the courtroom setting that we were in a moment ago. Uh, I, I, I was declared a free man. Okay, it, it was it was the judge's prerogative to do so. Okay, and after he made his declaration, what what then did I have to do to receive that declaration? Really, nothing. Really, nothing. He declared it, and that was it. It was done deal. We can make an argument that I had to believe it, right? Okay, but really, at that moment in his declaration, when did that declaration take effect? The moment he said it, immediately, the moment he said it, when God makes this declaration of justification, it takes place, it takes effect, I should say, immediately. I have my brother here, by the way, my brother who is a, a, a professor at Reformed Theological Seminary. So if I say something wrong, raise your hand and, and just shake your head, and then we'll, we'll, go, we'll go there. And I can't wait for a question. At the end of, at the end of our, our uh, time today, we'll open it up for questions for, for my brother, John. <laughs> So, so that'll be immediately when we, uh, when we uh, conclude here. But uh, now next week, when we talk about adoption, I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm going to see if you remember justification is an act, right? A declaration that takes place immediately, takes effect immediately, not contingent upon anything else. Adoption is an act, okay? A declaration that takes effect immediately. Then after that, we talk about sanctification. We're going to talk about how that is a work, a work, a work of whom? Okay, we won't take a deep dive on that today, but uh, we're going to try and highlight here's the difference between and now listen here, there is a difference. What we're trying to what I'm just trying to set up for you here is there is a difference between making sinners righteous and making sinners holy. Okay, there is a difference. Now, maybe in your minds, those are the same thing. But they're not. And that's what we're going to talk about today uh, and two Sundays from now. But, but today we're, we're concerned with what it takes to make a person righteous, what justification, uh, what, uh, um, and this is what justification has to do with. So, so let's put our definition back up here um, as soon as I can do that. Justification is an act of God's free grace. Justification is an act or a declaration of God's free grace. It's not dependent upon any work of man. It is God's declaration alone. Now, here are the next two clauses, right? Go. All right. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth all our sins and accepteth us as righteous in his sight. He pardons our sins and accepts us as righteous. In other words, in other words, this declaration that God makes accomplishes two things, okay? We've talked about this in recent weeks. So let's see how, how well you remember. What does this declaration God makes accomplish in us? Let's, let's go back to my dramatic courtroom scene when the judge made his declaration on behalf of Officer Wilson. Uh, let's, let's see if it's a one-to-one -one comparison. When the judge made the declaration, you're all free to go, you're all free to go at the request of Officer Wilson. Were my sins pardoned in that moment? Yes, yes, they were. Now, uh, they absolutely were. In the eyes of the law, I was no longer guilty of the sin of speeding. Now, when the judge made his declaration, you're all free to go at the request of Officer Wilson, was I accepted as righteous in the sight of the judge? See, this is where the, the analogies start to break down a little bit, okay? I think it'd be a stretch to say that. He just, he just pardoned me of my sins, but there was no further declaration beyond that. Your flashlight is on, Jack. <laughs> you're, you're putting a spotlight on me. Okay. Turn it off. <laughs> he's, he's, you're going to be in detention. It's, yeah. 
because listen, what the judge was saying was, I, I'm not going to punish you for the crime you committed. And that in, the, that in and of itself is great. I love that, right? But here's the distinction the confession is making here when it says, accepteth us as righteous in his sight. What, what that is saying would be the equivalent of the judge saying, not, not only are you not going to be punished for not speeding, but I'm going to make you a police officer. Here's your badge, right? And again, the, every analogy breaks down after a point, so we won't run that on all fours, but, but here's what the confession is, is, is laboring to tell us. It's two things we have to be sure we don't miss. Justification is an act of God's free grace where he pardons our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Now, here, here's why I stress this so much with you guys, all right? I, I know it's not the first time I've said this and certainly won't be the last. When we talk about coming to faith or becoming a Christian, I think, I think we tend to get the idea more readily that our sins are forgiven. That's sort of the, the, the thing we lead with. And that's sort of the thing we, we hang on to. And it's good. Ephesians 1.7 tells us in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And as a Christian, your sins are forgiven. And that's great. That's great. Now, I don't know about you. But when I was younger, this is the part of the story that I really knew too. I really got it. So especially, uh, I want to make sure that the young kids in here, all right, that they understand this, even though, even if you don't hear me say anything else, I want you to hear me say this, okay? When you believe in Jesus, yes, your sins are forgiven, but there's more that we have to understand, that all your sins are forgiven, even the ones you haven't committed yet, those are forgiven too. How is that? How does that work? You see, when I was a kid, I, I got the idea that I had to ask for forgiveness of my sin, right? But then I had this idea that I had to stay on top of them. You know, in other words, I've only been given, uh, been forgiven of the sins that I've asked forgiveness for. All right. Uh, I, I, it wasn't necessary that I had to enumerate all my sins because at the end of the day, I could just, when I was going to bed, say, dear Lord, just forgive me for all the sins that I've committed, you know, up until this point. But then my sin debt transaction, you know, debt started to accumulate once again from that moment on. And then I had to the next day say, okay, forgive me for all those sins. And it was exhausting because I had to keep up with those, all of them. And, and, and it was really stressful. Kids and adults, all right? If you believe that Jesus forgives you of your sins, that he wiped your heart clean of all your sins, that counts for every sin you've ever committed and counts for every sin that you will commit for the rest of your life. All right, your sins, past and present, they're all forgiven. Now, isn't that good news? That's good news. That's really good news. Now, how is that? Now, let's let's take a look at how the the answer from the confession says it. It says, put that back up here. Justification is an act of God's free grace where He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight. Now, what that means is, if you are righteous in His sight, you are righteous according to His standards. What is going on today? <laughs> There's wind out there, vacuuming out here. That means you carry with you the righteousness of Christ, okay? In other words, it's not just that your sins are forgiven. That, that's only half the story, okay? But in the eyes of God, you carry the righteousness, the righteous status of Jesus Christ. This is why 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. So again, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe that he's paid for your sins, you also believe that along with forgiveness, you receive righteousness. It's forgiveness and the receiving of righteousness. And just like the judge in my case, it's a declaration. It's a done deal all at once. It's not something you have to, to build up to. It's a verdict passed to you immediately. 
Okay, so far so good up to this point? Everyone understand that much so far? Yeah? Okay, any questions on that much? And folks, if online, if you have something you wanna uh, ask, go ahead and, and send that to uh, me through the chat and we can catch up with you there. Um, okay, so, so this, um, this act of forgiving our sins is, uh, is be, and being declared righteous is a twofold act. This is why we describe this transaction as an, a declaration of, hold on, put it up here, double imputation, double imputation, all right? In the last few weeks, we talked about sin. We talked about how Adam's sin was imputed to us. Okay, what do we mean by that? When Adam's sin is imputed to us, what does that mean? Anyone want to take a stab at that? Remember, what does it mean when Adam's sin is imputed to us? We're made responsible for him. It's it's as it's it's as if it's as if we did the sinning, right? He through perfect representation, Adam's sin because he was our he served as our perfect representative in the garden. His sin was imputed to us. Okay, it uh, um, by way of perfect representation. So you were considered you were considered a sinner even before you were born because of this imputation. So insofar as this declaration is concerned, God's declaration, why would it be described as double imputation? What is a double in reference to? Why is it double imputation when we are justified? Anyone have a, a thought on that? He takes our sin. What's the double part? And we get his righteousness. That's the twofold part of this. We're forgiven and declared righteous. He receives our sin. And, 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 uh, and if, if that's all that happened, you know, that'd be great. You know, that'd be single imputation, right? But, it, but it's double. So he receives our sin and we receive his righteousness. Okay. And this is, this is the part I really want to make sure you understand. And it's, it's not just that your sins have been forgiven. It's not just that the ticket was dismissed. You know, the judge is dismissing your ticket and telling you to take the seat of officer Wilson. Uh, remember a few weeks back again, I, I think we were talking about sin. And we said that Jesus wasn't only sinless. It's not just that Jesus was sinless, but it's that he, he just not that he just never sinned, but he, he upheld every bit of the law. Jesus upheld every bit of the law. And that was not only, you know, uh, that only the law not only forbade you to engage in, in certain behaviors, but there was an expectation of righteous behavior too. You know, we brought this up, which I know a number of you have memorized this verse. He's told you, Micah 6, 8, he's told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require? of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Hear, hear what he's saying here. All right. This is, this is, this is required. It's not optional. It's not just don't sin, but it's don't sin, be righteous too. Okay. This is why we said before, Jesus didn't simply show up on Good Friday to pay for your sins, you know, because if he just showed up on Good Friday and said, okay, done deal, sins are paid for, that wouldn't be enough. That wouldn't be enough. He had to live a lifetime of being righteous, of being sinless and righteous, actively good, actively engaged in justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with your God, because that's what's required of you, okay? And he had to do that on your behalf, not only to pay for your sins, but actively to be righteous on your behalf. Now, and more than once, and here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. More than once, more than a few times, I've, I've talked to people who believe in the forgiveness of sin. And in one case, um, recently, fairly recently, to someone who was terminally ill and said to me, I just, I just don't know, I just don't know that I, I feel like I'm good enough to go to heaven, is what he said. Have any of you heard that before in terms of, of, of people and their in their sal in reference to their salvation? 
They say that because they, they don't understand this element of justification. All right. So how do I respond to that? You're not good enough. You're not good enough to get into heaven, but, but here's the good news. You're not getting into heaven based on your own record. All right. You get into heaven based on Jesus's record, based on the fact that he paid for your sins and imputed his life of perfect righteousness to you. So what does that mean? That means, dear friend, I told him, you're standing before, you're standing before God will never be better than it is right now. Just as Adam's sin was imputed to you, so now the second Adam, right? Second Adam, his righteousness, his sinlessness and righteousness is, is imputed to you. And, and believe that, that's a declaration, a declaration that takes effect immediately, immediately. Okay, do you see that? Do you get that? Please, please, please understand that and, and take that with you and remember that because I think all of us at some point will have this, this notion of, uh, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm good enough. And, and again, we have to acknowledge the fact that you're not. But again, we don't stand before God right now as he sees us. Legally, we stand before him with Christ's record draped over us. And that's what he sees. That's why we can be declared righteous right now, right now. Okay. Then let's, let's finish out our answer here with the last clause. And, and here's everything we've talked about so far. Okay. Justification is an act of God's free grace, right? Not dependent upon your own works, not depending on anything that you contribute wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. That's what we know so far, okay? And finishes out like this, and received by faith alone. So now, so now the question moves to what part does faith play in all of this? You know, what part does faith play in this discussion of justification? A few weeks back, our one thing question was, what, what must I do to be saved? And what I really wanted you to understand from that, right, was that the Bible, what the Bible tells us is know that we, we don't recite a prayer, okay? We, we don't even really invite Jesus into our hearts. You know, that's not the language of the Bible. The language of the Bible uh, is, is a command to believe, okay? This is what Paul told the Philippian jailer when he asked the very same question, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and all your household, uh, Acts 16.31, what are we believing? Well, for starters, we're believing what we, just, what we just talked about, that because of the work of Jesus, his life and death, that is efficacious, we say, efficacious to pay for our sins and make us righteous, all right? That's what we're believing. We, if we believe that works, you know, that is belief. So is that the end of it? If we believe it, we're saved? I was asked the very same question of, of me when I was just going through licensure recently. And, and I said, is it just belief? And I said, yes, believe is what the Bible tells us. And then what did they tell me? Close. <laughs> Even the demons believe, they told me. <laughs> like, oh, well, yes, there's that. <laughs> Even the demons believe, right? Even the, the demons. And so, so on its face, there's a little more that's going on. There's a little more that's going on beyond just belief. What's the difference between how I believe and how the demons might believe? Anyone to take a shot at that one? What's the difference between how I believe and what the, what the demons would believe? So I die to self, and that's the difference between myself and, and the, the demons. How does that play out? What does that look like practically? You know? That's sanctification. Now we're talking about sanctification. 
Okay, now we're starting to get into sanctification. I do want to touch on a little bit, but it, but it does it does come down to behavior. It does come down to works. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Lear. A moment ago, you just told us this was a declaration done in an instant. We believe and that's it. Now you're saying that we have to behave a certain way to seal the deal, okay? Like I mentioned to you a moment ago, you know, three-part series, you know, three-part series we're going to talk about. Today, we're talking about justification, next week, adoption, following week, sanctification. But for today, I just want to talk a little bit about how those good works, those good works play into all of this, all right? Because where I'm going with this is that, that if you believe what Jesus did for you was efficacious to save you and make you right before God, but if having that knowledge doesn't bring about any change in you, then we have to ask ourselves what's going on here, right? Scott talked a lot about that this morning in the sermon. For those of you who haven't heard it, you're going to hear a little bit about this, okay? Because if you really believe and understand the legal transaction that has occurred here, something in you should necessarily change, okay? You know, my, my uh, oldest son is, is 15 years old, so that means he's going to be driving soon. And uh, on his own, even you know, within less than a year, he'll have a car of his own. And he told me that he wants to buy the car that I currently am driving right now. So I, I quoted him what I think is a, a fair and reasonable price. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> and now he's saving up to buy it uh, off of me. So when he turns 16, this means, of course, when he buys that car, dad's got to get a new car, right? So I've been, I've been doing some looking around. <laughs> Now, I know some of you, I've told some of you before this, that I, 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 think, my, I think I would like my next vehicle to be a Jeep, like the, the old school, and I have my son applauding now, <laughs> with a rag top and, and, and all that. And I had one when I was younger, my brother had one when he was younger, and they're fantastic cars, uh, and they've improved so much over the years, you know, from when, when we had them when we were uh, younger. And to tell you the truth, when I started looking at how much they cost and all the different packages that they have, you know, I, was, I began exclusively looking at the two-door Jeeps. You know, I was only looking at the two-door Jeeps. That's, that's what we had when we were younger. And, and uh, it was just like the original Army Jeep, you know, that is, that is the Jeep. Two doors, two points of entry, that's it. You know, if there's anything else, you got to do some crawling to get in the back, right? For nearly all of its, its, excuse me, its existence, Jeeps have only had those two doors, okay? And to tell you the truth, if my 20-year-old if my self were here today, he'd tell me, don't, don't even think about getting a four-door Jeep, okay? Four-door Jeeps, old man, that's, that's, that's not really a, a, a real Jeep, okay? But more and more, I find myself liking and wanting the four doors on the Jeep. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because I'm an old man. Because I'm an old man. You know, I, I, I'm at a different place in my life now than when I was 20 something. All right. I have a family. I, I have a need for actual trunk space. <laughs> trunk space is a commodity, you know? It's, it's just more practical. And when I say that, I think to myself, that's, that's something an old person would say. But you know what? I am old, as Spencer pointed out a moment ago. All right? I, I, I have a new center. I have a new center. I, I have different priorities. I see life through different eyes than my 25-year-old self did. Okay? Is this what happens when you're saved? Like I said, every analogy breaks down to a certain point, but yes, in a manner of speaking, you can say that this is what happens. When you realize and believe and understand what Christ has done for you, you, you have a new center. 
Okay, you have, a new, you have new priorities. What you valued before isn't what you value now. So yes, your, your behavior necessarily changes when you begin to understand what it is to be saved, to be justified. You repent. You repent. This is what I, what I mean by your, your behavior changing. You repent. You have a change in your direction. You no longer live a life where you're trying to justify yourself. This is, this is what we, before we knew Christ, this is what we, we all tried to do. We all tried to justify ourselves and, and prove and show well, I, I'm a good person because I do this and I do that. And, and, and that's, that's where our center was. And so everything revolved around that center. Now we have a center that says someone else earned that righteousness on your behalf. And that changes our center. So yes, your, your behavior necessarily changes when you begin to understand what it is to be saved, okay? Um, and, uh, and realize that it, that it comes from someone else's behavior, you know, not, not your own. Um, this is what uh, Galatians 2.16 says, yet we know that a person is not, it's talking about this language, this is the word we're talking about today, is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in, in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one, no one, no one will be justified. Okay, and, and here's what Paul is telling us: You and I, you and I, uh, beyond faith and repentance, we don't need some 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 uh, measure of obedience to God's law in order to be justified. You've got it. You've got it. Okay. Um, you and I are, are made right. We're declared righteous based on the works of Jesus Christ alone. It's not based on any work of mine, any work of yours, but on, on Christ alone. Okay, Lyric, I can believe that. I can believe that it's an act, a declaration given the moment that I believe. And, and believing that should necessarily change my behavior. What if my behavior seems, well, slow to change? I still struggle with the same things I always struggle with. If my behavior is supposed to change, why isn't it? Has anyone had that same question? I have. I have. Never. Yeah, never. Never. In the, in the Westminster Confession, chapter 6, it speaks of remaining sin, remaining sin, even those who are, in those who are regenerated. So even, even in, you know, people like, like most of us, I would say, okay? So if you find yourself in a persistent struggle with sin, well, it's good news that you describe it as struggle. If you feel that it's a struggle, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's good. If, if you still wrestle with sin and, and sin still grieves you, I, I've got some really good news for you. You know, if you're a Christian, you will struggle with sin. Christians struggle with sin, okay? You know who doesn't struggle with sin? Non-Christians. <laughs> those, those, those who don't have that new center, it's, it's not a conflict here. The reason, the reason it feels like a struggle is because there's a conflict between what you know to be your center and how your behavior is actually playing out. That's why it's a struggle. That's why, Gene, do you have a question? They, they, they lie in conflict. Yeah. We are a Presbyterian church, Gene points out. What role does Sagan? What role does God's choice? So we want to get into a discussion of election right now. Yeah. The, the language of, of scripture, you know, and again, I'm not just saying this is a Presbyterian, but I, I'm a Presbyterian because of its reformed traditions and because I've, I've been backed into a corner by scripture. I can't get around it. And it's sin. It's again, it's not, not on my works. 
you know, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, lest any man should boast, right? But it's the work of God himself that calls you out of darkness, that calls you out of, of, uh, of, of, repent, of, of, of sin uh, to then be able to act a different manner, to have that new center, okay? And so this is, this is what we're going to get into when we talk about uh, sanctification. When we describe, when we describe uh, justification... Okay, we would say that that is a uh, a monergistic work, a monergistic work, meaning that it is God alone who does that. Okay, when we talk about sanctification, we would describe that as a synergistic work. Now, does God need me to participate in sanctification? Does he need me to do something? If he wanted to, he could just, he could sanctify me immediately. But what does he do? He says, make your calling and election sure, he tells us right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's now calling us into action. He's calling us into the process of sanctification, where we have something to do now. We have an action to, to partake in, okay? And again, he could sanctify us immediately if he wanted to, but instead, what does he do? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what we as good Presbyterians believe, that we're not just, whoop, chosen, great, <laughs> I got a free ride. No, you're called in now to do something to make your calling and election sure. Is that what your question was surrounding? Mm -hmm. The demons weren't chosen, yeah. Yeah. You are, so because you are chosen, right? You have a, you have a different, you have a different center now and you have a different call to action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the coming weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk a bit about more uh, how you're made holy. That's what sanctification is. And we'll define what it is to be, what holiness is. We'll talk about that. That's a process, okay? But again, if, if you are struggling with sin, you know, that's good. That's good because you, you now have, you have a conflict of where your center is. Now, now don't get comfortable with that, right? Oh, okay, good. It's normal. Good. As Jim Gaffigan would say, I've got some sinning to do, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's, not the, that's not your calling. Your calling is to make your calling and election sure, okay? And again, we'll talk a little bit more <laughs> about how you're made to be holy. It's a big deal, okay? It's kind of a big deal. And, uh, and in that process, unlike justification, which is an act, re remember that it is exhausting. <laughs> it is tiresome. It is. It is. Uh, but it, again, remember, there's a difference between how you're made righteous and how you're made holy. And you right now, right now, if you believe, if you believe in this transaction that has taken place, <laughs> then you are made, you are righteous right now. You are, you are declared righteous, okay? And uh, the latter, being made holy, that's going to take the rest of your life, I'm afraid to tell you. <laughs> that's going to take the rest of your life, but it will be made complete, we're told, okay? What other questions uh, do you have for my brother? <laughs> Yes. Does God still punish us? Does God still punish us? No, God does not punish us. When he, when, when he completed that transaction on the cross, punishment was finished. And to say that, and to, to suggest perhaps that God is still punishing you for something that, that you've done is to say that Christ's punishment on the cross wasn't sufficient enough. It was sufficient. Okay. So when you suffer the effects of sin, 
Okay, when you suffer through the effects of sin, is that punishment or is that discipline? Is there a difference between discipline and punishment? I guess the question is, does God exact any chastening or, or is it just a consequence of what your sin? For, for the believer? The question, is, the question is for the online folks, does God exact any uh, punishment or, or chase, for chastening of sin or discipline? For the believer, for the believer, punishment is finished. Your punishment is done for the believer. Well, then, That's it. How do you reconcile that? Mm-hmm. Then if you're not disciplined and chastened, then you're not a living Yeah, the Lord disciplines those, those uh, he loves. But again, we're, we're making a distinction here between punishment and discipline. Discipline, we can say, is say as uh, as as uh, an element of sanctification. So even, even if something, even if you're suffering through the consequences of sin, what are, we, what are we told in Romans? All things, all things, all things work together for the good of those who love him and called and according to his purpose. Even, even the, the, the sinful effects of your, of your actions. That he still uses to, to, to mold you and shape you and sanctify you. In Genesis uh, 50, 20, uh, what you meant for evil, God uses for good. So you're saying God doesn't if you're not making a distinction between punishment and discipline, well, I mean, okay. And, and I if guess when I say God causes the consequence, mm-hmm. other than just consequences happening because you're sinning, so they're naturally going to happen. Mm-hmm. If he actually steps in and goes, Yes, I'm going to discipline you, then how do you reconcile that with he sees you as right? Well, think about how I, how I might discipline my own kids. Okay, why do I discipline my kids? Do I do it because I'm angry at them? Mm-hmm. That's right. But I don't Yeah. And this is, this is why we're having this discussion. This is why we're doing this over the next three weeks is because right now your status you know, is righteous before, before Christ, but he's not done with you. So salvation is, uh, is an already not yet uh, um, process. You are already saved. You are already righteous in his sight, but there's still work to be done. There's still sanctification to be done. There's still, and, and that's what discipline is, is about for the rest of your life. That's what sanctification is about. It's about you being made holy. And again, that's a distinction that we're going to make over the next several weeks is that right now you are, you've been declared righteous. Okay. But in the, the rest of your life, you're going to be made holy. And there's a difference between the two. Make sense so far? No, not quite. Should we appeal to the professor? John, is there anything else that you might want to add here? I mean, all I'd say is like the same with your sons. Nothing changes the status of whatever my, my brother's sons do, nothing changes their status as being his sons. They will always and forever be his sons no matter what. And so that's the way that we can look at it, that when God declares us righteous, he's saying, you are forever and always my son, and you are righteous in my son. But now I'm going to go beyond the declaration, and I'm going to make you what you have been declared in my son. So I'm going to make you into what I've said you are. And so no matter what you do, 
nothing will ever change the fact that you are God's son in the son, in Christ. So that's the distinction that I, you know, that's the distinction I think that my brother's trying to press. We should have just asked him to begin with, to tell you the truth. Uh, it's, it's like he has a gift for teaching or something like that. that I know. Okay, you're still a citizen, but I'm going to give you this ticket. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, 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 understand, I understand what the struggle. I understand what you're, you're struggling with here. Uh, because, because, again, it, there's this, this feeling that uh, um, if I am declared righteous in his sight, that I shouldn't have any negative effects or i shouldn't i shouldn't be suffering what you're viewing is i think you're viewing it as punishment but again there we have to make that distinction between punishment and discipline and what, again, how i discipline my son uh is not out of wrath i'm not doing that out of wrath uh you know for the for the non-christian for the non-believer that that dies not knowing jesus they they will be in the presence of of god subject to his wrath okay which is much different than what you and I, how you and I are, are, uh, are, are, are interacted by God. Okay. Um, we can talk about more if you, uh, if you're still struggling with that, glad to, to continue with that. Yes, Lucy. I kind of think of like, I want the Lord to teach me patience, but I don't want to go under that, that discipline, mm -hmm. which means like if you pray for patience, you're going to miss the train. You're going to be stuck in traffic. Mm -hmm. And that irritation and that frustration is, yeah. Reminding me that I have not mastered that discipline or that, that patience. And how can I offer peace if I'm not patient with someone? That That's right. Be, yeah. You know, in the same mindset. That's a good point. It's, it's when we pray for things, when we pray, pray for God, we, we, we are wanting God to, you know, to change us, you know, that that's, that's going to be a natural uh, desire for those of you who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit is to want to change, to be conformed to his likeness. And I've got news for you. That's not easy. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And because uh, again, I mean, you think about all the, 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 uh, the, the lifespan of, of Christ himself, you know, it was not easy. He led the life of, of, a, of a poor person. He, he was hated by his friends. He was betrayed by his friends. And, and again, we have to remember you and I, you and I are being made to follow in his footsteps. And so Christ is, is was, God was most glorified in his humiliation, in his, in his rejection. And well, if we're being made in his likeness, what does that tell you? We'll probably face many of the same things. Okay. Uh, there was a comment on, online here. Let me get that real quick. Um, the wages of sin is death. Uh, Aaron is telling us in Christ, we do not die, but the sin we commit is still dealt with. God uses to refine us. Yes, it's a process of sanctification. It's good, uh, Aaron. If sin, uh, if my sin is being a glutton, God does not say, okay, calories don't count for you. That's a good, that's a really good thing. Yes, calories still have that negative uh, impact on you. Even if I'm sinning, even if I'm engaging in the sin of gluttony, that's a good, I still need uh, to work on the outcome of that sin. Yeah, that's, that's again, that's the calling of what sanctification is. Anyone else? Thoughts, comments, questions? All right. That's good. That's a good, uh, good questions. Good, uh, good feedback here. Um, let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer and then uh, we'll be dismissed. And again, as always, if you're still struggling with any of these things that you want further clarification on, whether it's right now, or you want to come to my office later on in the week, I'm glad to work through anything with you, whether it pertains to justification or, or anything else. Okay. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, we thank you for uh, the work and the actions, the life of your son 
that enables us uh, to be declared righteous, uh, to be forgiven of sins and declared righteous. We thank you that uh, because of your son, we carry that status with you right now and that we will never be more uh, declared righteous more than we are now uh, and that uh, there's no more earning uh, to be done. There is no earning to be done, but thanks be to, to Jesus Christ for earning that, that favor on our behalf. So, Father, as we leave here today, help us to be mindful of that and help us to be mindful of, of whatever it is that we encounter, whatever it is that we walk through. Uh, you are using that for your honor and glory uh, and that all things work together uh, for the good of those who love him love you and have been called according to your purpose. Help us to remember that too. Uh, go with us now. Uh, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the salvation he gave us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys.